You're listening to the Church on the Move Roswell podcast. We hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to take your next step with Jesus. Thanks for listening. Let's check it out. Uh, listen, go with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. This is where we've been talking, and I've been ministering to you for several weeks on, on uh, Wednesday night. Uh, just talking about the things that God breaks down here that lead to a, to a good life, that lead to following Jesus. And we know that, because we talked about it before, that he's talking about the end times. And he's saying, you know, as we see days approaching, as we th- see these things happening, this is how you should conduct your life. And he says, let joy be your continual feast. Make your life a prayer. And in the midst of everything, be always giving thanks, for this is God's perfect plan for you in Christ Jesus. God has a perfect plan, and it involves all three of those things, making joy a feast, uh, making your life uh, a prayer, and in the midst of everything, giving thanks. That's part of his perfect plan. And You know, this, I always say this, if you can't if you can't operate and be obedient to his written will that you can see, his spoken will for you, man, it's very difficult for him to communicate with you his, the stuff and the details of your specific situation in your life. The, the stuff that's not written in here. There's no chapter, you know, titled, you know, Julie Smotherman, you know, chapter one. We all wish there was. I wish there was so I'd know what I'm doing, you know, and what, who I'm living with. No, I'm kidding. I understand her better. But, uh, but no, there's no, there's no book of Troy, Smotherman, or any of you. There's not a, so, you know, we see these things that God's speaking to us about, and we, that we have his written will, but he wants us to operate by his written, written will, but also, you know, as we do that, then we learn how to operate by his unspoken will, or un, the, the stuff that's not written right there about us that he wrote in heaven. He said he wrote all our days down in heaven. It is written down, but we don't see it in the Bible. But it is written down in heaven, and he wants to show us that, tell us that, and, and, and lead us into our future. <coughs> but we have to first obey his written will. And so that he says that's his written will. I, uh, will. I love the rest of this. Never restrain or put out the fire of the Holy Spirit. So, and he said, and don't be one who scorns prophecy. So he's saying that you can put out the fire of the Holy Spirit, but not feasting on joy, making your life a prayer, and being thankful. You can start to put out the fire of the Holy Spirit inside yourself. Then he says, you can also do it by forsaking the word of God. When you hear some of this prophecy here, he's talking about those that explain the word to you. There's two types of prophecy. One is the future. It's a prophetic word. The other one is when people prophesy. It talks about pray for the gift of prophecy. That's the best one. That's somebody preaching the word. Pray for that gift, he said to be able to communicate God's word to others, whether one-on-one or whatever God's called you to do it or however he's called you to do it. But he said, be faithful to examine them by putting them to the test and afterward hold tightly to what was proven to, to be right. Avoid every appearance of evil. How do you put what people say to the test? You go back to the word. That's how you put it to the test. You go back to the word. I always say, you know, because uh, uh, for time's sake, we can't read every chapter that you need to read 20 scriptures above and 20 scriptures below to get the full context of what God is saying. And you need to know the word for yourself so that you can never be duped. You can never be, uh, you can never be tricked. The Bible says over and over again, in the last days are going to be all these false teachers. And guys, we're seeing that come to pass. I saw uh, yesterday that a Lutheran minister who has a, a child who he raised, it's a boy, born a boy, they raised to be a girl, and now is pushing that child to have a surgery to change it, uh, this boy into a girl. And this Lutheran pastor now has started something that says to be transphobic is a sin. I mean, it's, it's absolute heresy. It's blasphemy. But there, there's a sign thing now. You take a picture that says, you know, to be transphobic is a sin. Otherwise, you know, that if you stand up against that and say that's a sin, you're really the one in sin. What did the Bible say in the last days? They'll call, they'll say evil is good and good is evil. And then it, we're seeing that. I mean, there's, it's a big news story about it. Huge news story about it. And so we live in these days that we're seeing these things come to pass. Don't be tricked. Know your word. Know what the word of God says. 
and, and operate according to God's written word so he can give you his, his, his word concerning you specifically. And we'll talk about that more in, in a moment. But I'm going to get back to this, the second part of this, this verse. It says, let joy be your continual feast. Make your life a prayer. You know, my first uh, uh, prayer life was based on a lot of misconceptions. Uh, I'll never forget the first time we are in a group, uh, you know, of people. I went to this Bible study. I was a brand-new Christian. Someone invited me to a Bible study. I didn't even know what a Bible study was. You know, I figured I knew the terminology. We're going to study the Bible, but I didn't know quite what happened there. And so I showed up, and they talked about the Bible. I stayed real quiet. I didn't say anything and just kind of listened because I didn't really know the topic. I didn't know what the Bible said, so I'm just kind of taking it all in. And then we get in a circle, and one person starts to pray, then the next person prays and then I'm like noticing a pattern it's going around this way and it's coming to me and everybody prayed and so I'm like uh oh I'm gonna have to pray and so it got to me and guys really to be honest with you I have no idea what I prayed it was so stupid I mean it was just I walked out of there, and I was just so embarrassed. I said, I'm never going to another Bible study again, you know, because I was so embarrassed. Don't even remember what I prayed or how I prayed. I know I tried to sound real religious. You know, I got that voice. Oh, God, I don't know what I said. I just... It was just stupid, and, and here's, here's the problem with it, is that when I first got, when I got in that situation, it really wasn't about God. It was about me. And that's some of the misconceptions is that prayer is not about us. It's about praying to God. It's, it's a relationship between you and him, but we can make it about us when we want to try to sound religious. Or we want to, we're thinking, well, I got to say all the right things here. You know, so you start telling, you start quoting every scripture, you know, oh God. John 3.16 says, <laughs> and John, <laughs> You know, when you just start, you get your religious voice and you want to sound real religious and try to use big words like eschatology. You don't even know what it means. Just throwing it out there, man. You heard that one time. Theology. Oh, God. Help our theology. I don't know. You know, just, you know, and it's not about God. It's about you. And, and guys, it's funny, but it, it's true. You know, and we can't, we can't, God doesn't want us to, to live our lives on all these misconceptions that we have to sound real religious we have to use all the right words that it's, um, that you gotta, you gotta use that religious voice or God won't hear you, you know, or other, you know, because if you're thinking about what other people are thinking about you in that prayer like I was, and man, and probably did that for some time in a group. You know, I know I walked out and I finally had a word of prayer with God. And when I rocked out of there, I got in my car and I said, God, that was so stupid. That was probably, that was the second probably prayer I ever prayed. First one was to receive Jesus. That was probably my second one. God, that was so stupid. I can't believe I acted like, and so, you know, because it's more of a conversation like that with God, not trying to be religious or say all the right things or do all the right things or have this certain tone of voice. It's not about that at all. It's not about that at all. And we need to put those, those things aside we need to put all those things aside and make it about God and really make it about God. I've, I've been asked to pray oh, in so many different circumstances and situations. You know, people will say, you know, Pastor, will you come and pray over this? Will you come pray over that? And, you know, and, and man, you know, it'll start getting in my head like, man, this, this crowd, these people, you know, and I'll start thinking about what to pray, and I'll, and I'll have to shut all that down and just say, no, uh-uh, uh-uh, I'm not doing that. God said, don't be worried about it. You know, I know the circumstance. I know the situation. I know, you know, kind of what we need to be praying for here, and I'm just going to trust God to do it, and God, I'm going to pray to you, not to them. Okay? Pastor Troy, after all these years, you still have to fight those thoughts? Yes. I want you to know that. Yes. I have to fight those thoughts off and say, no, I'm not, do I'm not, I'm not doing that. I'm not making it about me or them. I'm going to make it about what it is about, and that's you and me. Us praying to you. Make it about you, Father. You're the, you're the point of our prayer. 
And, and so I want to I help people that maybe you, you've, you've thought that way, that you have to just pray perfect. No, it's a conversation between you and God. That's, that's where you need to get to, that it's a place of conversation. And, you know, I want to kind of get away from the Christian checklist, the religious part of prayer, where people, you know, we got people that, that quote the same prayers over and over and over and over and over again. And God warns about, you know, people that pray with many words. You know, many words, you know, they just, and, they, and he warns about repetition, about re- repetitive prayer that has no heart. There's nothing in it. It's, it's just religion. It's just for an act of religion. I say this to you. You say that back to me. Do I think some of that could be heartfelt? Yeah. But, man, to do it on a ritual basis, man, let me ask you a question. If you and I had a conversation on a regular basis and we had a really great friendship and you repeated the same thing to me every time I saw you, after a while I'd be like, man, I'm going to be avoiding you. I already know what you're going to say. You know, if you have this repetitive thing you say to me constantly, you know, what kind of relationship is that? And we're, this is a relationship God. God's a God of relationship. He created relationships. He created a relationship with the universe, a relationship with the plants, animals. I mean, he's a God. Of, there's, everything has a relationship to another thing. Everything has a relationship. He's a God. That's the first thing he did was he put a woman in the garden with a man and created a relationship. I mean, he's, and he wanted to create family, relationships, and, and intimate relationships, not distant relationships, but close relationships where you shouldn't feel like you have to say the same thing over and over to each other. And if someone would talk to you and they tried to use all these high-sounding words and, man, and, and they trying to, they, they changed their tone of voice and, man, they try to go, hey, Pastor Troy, oh. you know, try to sound religious and, you know, and try to throw out a bunch of vocabulary. And, I mean, guys, that, there's no one I have a real friendship with that talks like that. There's no one you have a real relationship, not a real one, that, that when they get around you, they, you know, and they I mean, it's like, man, I, that's, that's not a relationship. Man, you, you talk to each other like, hey, how you doing? And, and, and you know, you have a conversation, and, and that's what real prayer is about. And I, and I want to get away from those checklists of, I read my word this morning, I prayed, I checked all the boxes. That's not what God wants, that we just check boxes. Listen to this. I've read this uh, just recently. James chapter 5, verse 16. I think it was this Sunday. Uh, It says this. uh, In the bottom part of verse 16, it says, For tremendous power is released through the passionate heartfelt. Everybody say heartfelt. Prayer of a godly believer. So you have to, there's three parts in there. Passionate, heartfelt, actually four parts. Prayer, and you have to be a godly believer. Why does God differentiate between a believer and a godly believer? Because we talked about this Sunday, even the demons believe. But you have to be a godly believer. That means you're submitted to God. That means you have a relationship with God, and you're living in obedience to his word, and you're, 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 doing, you're not trying your best. You're doing your best. There's a big difference between trying and doing. You're doing your best to walk out God's word in your life. To be godly, little g. To be godly. To follow God's plan. But you notice it has to be passionate and heartfelt. That's what prayer should be. It should be passionate and heartfelt, not just checking the boxes like, man, I told so-and-so I'd pray for him. Oh, God, you know, hey, look at the, you know, Susie needs this. Check Check that box, check that box, check that box. No. Elijah moved God's heart. David moved God's heart. Paul moved God's heart. Peter moved God's heart. Mary moved God's heart. Esther moved God's heart. People moved God's heart. Sarah moved God's heart because it was passionate and heartfelt, and they were doing everything they can to walk walk godly and obey God's word in their life. And it says there's much power in that. There's power in that type of prayer. But can I tell you something? There's no power in that other type of prayer. 
That's not heartfelt. It's just checking boxes and checking a list and going through the motions. You know, I, I played a lot of sports all my life. Um, you know, now that I'm older, I, I don't play. I, you know, I try to coach and, and help, help people, but, I, you know, I still work out and do stuff. And, man, I, I'm, I'm pretty highly competitive still, but I know this, man. I, I don't, I, I would, when I would coach kids or I'd be on a team and I could tell we were what we call flat. I mean, just, just flat, like we're just going through the motions. I can almost guarantee you if the other teams really, their skill level's a lot less than ours, they might beat us. Most likely they won't, but it'll be really ugly. But if their skill level's close and we come out with no passion and no heart, we will lose. Like the Cowboys are gonna lose this weekend, right? And everybody said, and everybody said, man. That was for Randy for wearing his cowboy shirt tonight. Anybody else wore theirs? <laughs> man, these, they, don't, they didn't show up last week with all that gear, but now they won a playoff game. They're <laughs> Super Bowl champions already. I just became the biggest 49er fan in the country right to this, this weekend. Ah, uh, you don't. I don't even hear what you said, Pastor Sean. Oh, no, I started the peanut gallery. Here we go. Let's get back to heartfelt. Some of you are thinking, we never left that. I'm heartfelt. I'm, I'm a Cowboys fan. I want them to win. And I'm heartfelt, too. But the relationship matters. In prayer, the relationship matters. And I, I love what 1 John 4, 19 says. It says, we love because he first loved us. The relationship matters. That's the only way I know how to love. I never understood love. I understood lust. I understood, you know, kind of a friendship kind of love, a phileo love. I understood desire, the, the, that kind of love. But I never really understood agape love, the, the type of love that would lay down your life for somebody else so they could live better. God kind of love. The only way I understand that is because he first had to love me. And when he first loved me, he teaches you how to love him back with that same type of love and how to love others with that kind of love. It's a sacrificial love. But, but that, that's the relationship we're in in prayer. We're going to the one who loved us first. We're going to the one who loved us when we were his enemy. He still loved us. How much more does he love us now that we're not his enemy anymore? But yet, now we're his adopted children. I said we're his adopted children. Man, I want to say this too, that pray without ceasing. When he, when he talks about that, to pray without ceasing, he doesn't mean to nonstop pray, but to continual, continually pray. That means the prayer you started in the morning pops up all during the day. That it spills over. That when you pray in the morning, it starts just spilling over into your day. When certain things happen or certain situations pop up or certain thoughts or stuff pops up in your mind, your prayer life just spills over into your day. And you're continually praying. It doesn't mean that we pray 24-7. God knows we got to work. Right? And we have to focus on what we're doing. He, he's okay with that. It just needs to be continual prayer. All day long. You know, and I, I really encourage you, have heartfelt, passionate prayer in the time with God in the morning. That will spill over to the rest of your day. It will. I guarantee it will spill over. Just talking to God all day long. I love to follow the examples Jesus set for us in Luke chapter 5. He set, he set a great example for us because God didn't use his, Jesus didn't use all his superpowers when he was on earth, and we'll talk more about that in a minute, what that means. Um, but it says in Luke chapter 5 verse 16, but Jesus often slipped away, everybody say slipped away, from them and went into the wilderness to... Jesus needed a recharge. 
It said often. He did it often. Check that word. Often he slipped away from them and went and prayed. If, and Jesus is setting our, the example. He did it often. He needed to go recharge. He needed to go have a conversation with his father. He needed to go talk to him. He needed to be recharged. He needed to be reassured. He needed to be encouraged. Because he's wearing a human suit. And he's living like a man who's fully God, holy, like God, fully God, holy, perfectly holy, but in a man's suit. I don't know if you understand that Jesus laid down his superpowers. Go with me, Philippians chapter 2. It tells us he laid down his superpowers for us because the first Adam, a man, blew it. The, uh, the, person, the only way to get, get the authority back, the only way to build a bridge between us and God was that another man had to come in a man's suit and live a holy life. And because he could live a holy life, then he could die for the sins of everyone else and, and make us all right that, who, that believe. Those who believe, man, Jesus made us all right. Not just, he wasn't just right. He made a way for all of us to be right with God. But he had to do it in a man's suit. Look at Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 6. It says this, he existed in the form of God, yet he gave no thought to seizing equality with God as his supreme prize. Instead, he emptied himself of his outward glory by reducing himself to the form of a lowly servant. He became human. He humbled himself and became vulnerable, choosing to be revealed as a man and was obedient. So he, he chose to be revealed as a man and laid down his superpowers. So what did he do? Why did he have to go pray? Because he had to set that example. He laid down his superpowers and said, I'm going to show you how a, a man, a man, a, a person can live in the power of a person's prayer. That's right with God. Jesus was always right with God, so his prayers were powerful. And he prayed. He prayed over the loaves and fishes. He prayed over before he raised Lazarus from the dead, he prayed. He prayed all the time. He slipped away often and prayed. Got away from it all. Sometimes you just got to get away from it all and pray. He prayed so powerfully, so often. And they saw such, the disciples saw such major results and saw the difference in their prayers and his. And so, go with me to Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Chapter 6, verse He gives, he's given them instruction on, instructions on how to pray. They even asked him, teach us, teach us how to pray. They said, teach us how to pray, Jesus, teach us. So he's teaching right here. This is a teaching moment. He's given us an example like a teacher would. And he says this, our, he said, pray like this, our beloved Father dwelling in the heavenly realms. Let me say something to you. There's eight keys that I'm going to give you tonight about prayer. Number one, you got to know who you're talking to. Who did he pray to? Our what? Father. Our Father. We know that Romans teaches us that we've been adopted. We've been adopted because of the blood of Jesus. All those who believe that, that what God said about Jesus and that Jesus is the Savior and the Lord died for our sins, rose from the dead, and believes that and submits their life to God in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Man, woo, you've been adopted. Now you're a son or daughter of the, the Most High God. You're blood purchased. You were, you were, there was a price paid for you, and that was the blood, the holy blood of Jesus purchased you and bought you. You know, when Julie and I adopted Jalen, it wasn't free. It wasn't free. Matter of fact, we thought it was going to cost $30,000, $40,000. But thank God, God gave us favor. 
And the church picked, pitched in, the elders pitched in, and, and we pitched in, and some of my family pitched in, and this lawyer that we ended up getting, he said, I'm going to waive all my fees. Not only that, I'm going to give you a place to stay in Oklahoma for free. And Julie had to stay there over a month, and we had to go there before. I mean, he did. He blessed us, took us out, took my kids out on his boat. I mean, for free. He just took care of everything for us. What an incredible gift he gave us. But it wasn't free. I didn't adopt her for free. It cost money. It cost time. It cost effort. There's a price to adoption. And Jesus paid the price and adopted us. And Jalen has the same rights and privileges, and according to my boys, some more <laughs> than they have, than my biological children have. She has as much or more rights than they do. She's my only baby girl, man. I gotta... <laughs> Those boys need to fend for themselves. But you, you understand that we now... We share the Father with Jesus. We share him. So the first thing we have to realize is, who are we talking to? Jesus said, follow this example. Pray to your heavenly Father. He's in heaven. He's God Almighty, and he's your daddy. So you're going to your Father to ask him for stuff. I don't know about your kids. My kids are bold. Sometimes they don't even ask. You, no joke, I walk in, all of my kids had my shoe size at one time or another. Thank God all but one of them outgrew my foot. Because I'll just walk in my closet and I'll be like, surely, man, I've looked all over. And our closet's organized. I mean, I see my shoes. I mean, it's pretty organized. And I'm like, where are those shoes? I can't find them. I'll look all over. I look at my car, and, I, and, then, and then I realize, ding, 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 ding. One of those characters came into my closet and went shopping. Lo and behold, a few weeks later, I'm like, but where'd, where'd you get those shoes right there? <laughs> oh, Dad, I'm sorry. I, I, I borrowed your shoes, man. I took your shoes. They, I mean, they just go in there. They're bold, man. And you know what? I'm not mad at them. I'm like, okay, take them. Most of the time, I'm like that. <laughs> I told Julie, I can't wait till Jalen can wear your clothes. Because she used to laugh at me. She used to laugh at me because my shirts were missing, and now it's a whole different ball game. The tables have turned. Now I wish we had five more girl, four more girls, and she could go through it four times, five times, like I did. Thank God their feet kept growing. I wouldn't have any shoes in my closet. But we, we, we pray to our Father. We pray to our Father. And in John 16, 23 and 24, we've talked about this before, that we pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. Jesus said, hey, man, you haven't asked anything in my name as of yet, but now you ask in my name, you pray to the Father in my name. Otherwise, you present my name like, hey, big brother said, Father, big brother, my big brother, his name is Jesus Christ the Lord. King of kings and Lord of lords, your favored, your favored son, and fully God, fully you and fully me. And my big brother said that if I asked you, you'd do it for me. That's, what, that's how we go. We come with big brother. We come with King Jesus. We come with the Lord of lords and King of kings, the high priest our best friend, our big brother. We come with our Savior. He said, our Savior said, if we ask you, Father, in his name, you will do it. And we know that if you're praying to sell an ounce of cocaine, you're not going to get that prayer answered. <laughs> it's got to be a godly prayer, amen? I mean, people get some crazy ideas about that kind of stuff. Don't get them because God God's not going to play that. Paul talked to Jesus on the road to Damascus. So not only do we, we pray to the Father in Jesus' name, but we can talk to Jesus. When Jesus knocked him off his, his, his uh, knocked him to the ground, and, and, you know, Saul at that time, his name was Saul, he said, 
man, Lord, Lord, who, who are you? What, who, you know, and Jesus said, Paul, it's, he said, Saul, it's me. It's Jesus, the one you've been persecuting. He had a conversation with Jesus more than one. He talks about multiple encounters talking to Jesus. You can talk to Jesus too. Then we, then we know that the Holy Spirit speaks. That multiple times in the book of Acts, they'll say, and the Holy Spirit told me to do this, and the Holy Spirit told me to do that. Well, if the Holy Spirit's speaking, that means you can have a conversation with the Holy Spirit too. If he's speaking to you, you can speak back to him. That we don't pray, we pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. That's what we ask, that's when we ask for stuff. But it doesn't mean you can't have a conversation with Jesus, and you can't have a conversation with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I need comfort. Comfort me. Holy Spirit, I need you to teach me. God, Jesus said, you're going to be the teacher. Teach me, Holy Spirit. Teach me the word. Teach me to know, to know you better. Teach me, Holy Spirit. Comfort me. Give me wisdom, Holy Spirit. I need supernatural wisdom. Heal me, Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the hands and feet of God on the earth. He's the one moving now. First God moved, then he sent Jesus. Jesus moved, and now they're in heaven, and the Holy Spirit moves. On their behalf, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And so you can talk to them too. Don't get confused. You pray to the Father in the name of Jesus when you ask for something, but you can talk to God and you can talk to the Holy Spirit about what they already said they're going to do and what they promised to do. Number two. What does he say next? He said, our beloved Father, dwelling in the heavenly realms, may the glory of your name be the center on which our lives turn. So what does he begin to do? He begins to praise. He begins to thank God. He begins to operate in thanking God and, and praising God. So the number two thing that you need to do when you pray is thank him. The Bible says, in all things, pray. Pray. But he ends that, that verse with prayer, supplication, in all things, pray with prayer, supplication, which are specific requests. Sometimes we pray general prayers. Then he, he wants us to pray specific prayers, and then he ends that with thanksgiving. Listen, the Bible says we enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with, you can't get to praise until you're thankful. When you start thanking God, you'll get to praising God. But it starts with thanksgiving. And so if you're not thankful for what he's already done, man, you're, you're limiting your access to him because Jesus said you need to come like this. You need to come giving glory to his name, thanking him, praising him. And it all begins with changing your attitude about what's happening in the present and finding the things that you need to be thankful for. Before I even got up here, man, I just... <laughs> I've, I've had to train my mind to be thankful all the time. And I've said before, I don't get out of bed until I lay there and thank God for everything he's already done and everything I, I'm believing him for to do. I don't get out of bed. I lay there and thank him. I start my morning thanking him. I go to bed thanking him. B because by nature, by personality, that's not my personality. So I had to retrain. Listen, my personality submitted to God. If, it's, if yours isn't, you need, to, you need to give it to him, and then he'll redeem it and bring the best out of you instead of the worst all the time. And you won't, you'll quit sabotaging yourself. Because you can self-sabotage by, by doing the work, by, by yielding to your personality instead of yielding your personality to God and say, God, I know you gave me this personality as a gift, but so far, it hasn't been working in my favor. All my negatives are being pronounced instead of my positives. God, I want you to redeem my personality and make it beneficial to your kingdom and for me and others, those around me. And so I had to learn to be thankful, and so I know it's possible because, man, and before I got up here, I started thinking about what I was thanking God this morning for when we were praising God, and I just started thanking him all over again. I mean, I just went through a list like, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. It puts a joy in your heart. So he's like, go to your heavenly father and begin to thank him. And as you begin to thank him, you'll begin to praise him. And you'll go right through the gates, right into the courts. That's how you get there. So we need to be thankful. We need to be grateful. 
Then he goes on to say, manifest your kingdom realm and cause your every purpose to be fulfilled on earth as it is in heaven. We know that the, the other translation of that verse, can you guys find the King James version of this prayer and put that up on the screen of Matthew uh, chapter six, verse nine through 13, I think it is. Nine through 13. Can you put that up there? It reads a little cleaner, I think, than the Passion Version. and something that most of us know. But he said, we need to pray. Right now he's talking about, let your every purpose or thy will be done on as it is in prayer. We know that's how we know that. Did you guys find that? Yeah, okay, go ahead and go to the next verse. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So now you've got to pray out God's will. That's three. Ask for God's will. Ask for God's will. And when you don't know God's will, trust that his will is good. He said, I have a good plan for you. And what he's talking about here now, this part of the prayer, is that when we pray, we need to submit. This is an act of submission. God, let your will be done in my life and on this earth as it is in heaven. It's an act of submission, and it's an act of obedience. So God, Jesus is giving us this example. He's not, he's not saying do this every time, but he's saying, listen, this is my example to you. Pray to the Father, and, and then he said, you know, go into thanksgiving and give him glory and praise him, and then go right into the, his will. Start to pray out his will right then. Right after you enter the court, start praying out God's will. Submit to it. Be obedient to it. Jesus says it here about God's will, and then he says it again in the garden. He says, not my will be done, but your will be done. Like I said, it's an act of submission. The Bible says, submit to God, resist the devil in James 4, 17, and he will. Man, this is an act of submission. God, I'm submitted to your will, and I will be, I'm not only submitted to it, but I'll, I'll be obedient to it. I'll act on your will. I want your will to be done in my life. You know why some kids have trouble with authority? It's because they don't see a lot of adults around them, their parents and others, that actually submit to God's will. Why wouldn't they have trouble with authority? If you're not gonna submit to God, wow. Why should they submit to you? Let me say that again. If you're not gonna submit to God, why would they submit to you? Then let me give you another word of submission. The Bible says in Ephesians 5.20, submit yourselves one to another in the fear of God, talking about husbands and wives. I believe that the major reason, there's two major reasons, I believe that my sons and my daughters still, my sons are all adults. They, they can make their own decisions. But I believe one of the reasons they still listen to me is because they, and my, their mama, is because they've seen us submit to God and do what God said to do and be obedient to it. And I, this is the other reason. I believe because my wife chooses. She don't have to. She's not, a, she's not a weak person. She's not a weak woman. She's smart, thinks she's beautiful. She's sharp. She has, I mean, I, th I think the world of my wife, but she chooses to submit to me, and they've seen her do that. That when I've said Julie Jean, she knows when I use that middle name. <laughs> I know just how she says my name, Troy. But how she says it, I know, oh, there's some trouble brewing. But I'll say, Julie Jean, that's enough, man. That, that, this conversation's over. This is what we're going to do. And they'll, they'll watch their mom who don't, maybe disagrees. She'll go, okay. Okay. Then she'll have one last word, and it'll be over. <laughs> then the conversation's over. All the women are cheering, and all the men are like, I know what that's like. Guys, I got a word of advice. Just let that go. Just let it go. But I think, I believe because they've seen us submit and then they've seen her do that, they've, they've, we've modeled submission to authority and obedience to authority that it's easier for them to submit and obey to us.
And they're grown men and women, my daughter-in-laws, my, my sons. But, man, I, I'm, I'm serious. It blesses me sometimes. I'll say, hey, guys, that's not what we're going to do here. This is what we're going to do. And they'll, they'll go, okay, Dad. Because we have to model submission in obedience. Let me say it again. We have to model submission in obedience to God's will. I think the reason we have such rebellion in our youth across the world, all over the world, that they don't respect adults because they have not seen anybody model that in their life that someone that respects one another. The Bible says, submit yourself one to another. They've also seen me submit to mama. They've seen me work on something, and Jill will say, get out of the way. I can fix it. And I'll go, yes, ma'am. Yes, boss. And guess what? She can. She can. She's better at that stuff than I am. But they've also seen me, she'll say, hey, I think this is right. I'll go, you know what? You're right. I'm wrong. You're right. And I'll submit. Listen, guys, you've got to model that and not expect your children to, to just be automatically obedient and submitted to your authority and others' authority when you can't be submitted and obey. If we're not going to obey God and submit to God, why wouldn't people criticize the body of Christ? When people say, you know, I'm a Christian, they don't go to church, they, don't, they really don't make any difference in anybody else's life. All they are is the critics of the church. I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. They're just the critics. They're the walking criticism of the body of Christ and what God's doing. And then they wonder why people don't respect them. Or if they have children, why their children are in rebellion and out of control. We have to model it. And not model it like rote, like we're robots. You know, I'm obedient. You know, some religious thing. No, it's a relationship. Come on now, it's a relationship between us and God. We have to model relationship with, with God and with each other. Guys, we can hinder our prayers if we don't. We can hinder our men and women. We can really hinder our prayers if we, don't, if we don't listen to what Jesus is saying to us and say, hey, we pray to the Father. We thank him. We give him glory. We thank him for what he's already done, what he's doing, and what he's going to do. And then we submit to his authority and his will for our life. And we do it out of love, a, a loving obedience. I believe Julie obeys me out of love. I obey her out of love. They obey us out of love. It's not just based on rules. It's not religious. It's relationship. It's what you do when you care about each other. Amen. Listen, I didn't get to it tonight. But... I'm going to open it up as we begin to dismiss. I give people an opportunity to get right with God, and then I'm, I'm going to open it up, and Pastor Sean will come and dismiss you in a moment. Because, uh, not next Wednesday, because we're going to do a one-hour praise and worship night next Wednesday, end our fast. I don't know about you. I'm ready for the praise and worship night, and I'm ready. And I'm ready to eat some real food. That will both happen Wednesday night. <laughs> and so I know, the, I know the owners of IHOP, I might ask them to stay open late. But, uh, but yeah, you know, guys, I, um, I'll teach, not next Wednesday, but the following Wednesday, I'm going to teach on the rest of the points here. There's eight steps. We only got to three. I'll finish the other five steps next week. But one of the things I'll talk about in great detail is the power of agreement. And listen, the Bible says, Amos 3, 3 says, how, 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 can, uh, how can you be in agreement if the two don't walk together? Otherwise, if there's no unity, there's no, or how, how can you walk together if you're not in agreement to, to where you're going? If there's no unity, you can't walk together. You can't travel together if you're try, both trying to go different directions. If you're not in agreement on where we're going. Mine and Julie's fights. The only time we really fight is over directions. She trusts the computer, and I don't trust it at all. And they don't sell roadmaps anymore. I'm an old roadmap guy, man. Anybody, I, like, I had a whole stack of maps in my car when I was 
younger. But, but yeah, that's the only time we really fight. Because we, what are we fighting over? She wants to go this direction. I want to go this direction. That's what the computer says, and it don't feel right to me. I hate to say it, but most of the time she's right. I'm not, I hate to admit that. But that, you know, unless two agree, you can't walk together. You, you can't. And so you have to be in unity. The power of agreement is that you're in unified with God and you're unified with each other. Then you can really, there's power there. I'm going to talk about the unbelievable power in a couple Wednesdays of the power of, of, of prayer and of agreement. But I'm going to give people an opportunity tonight and we'll do it again after I teach on it in a couple Wednesdays. Hey, come with your praise on next week. And listen, if you can't stand for an hour, I'm okay, sit and pray. Sit and praise. I'm all right with that. Sit down and praise and worship God. I'm all right. He'll accept it. Amen. And so, but come ready to praise and worship next, next Wednesday night. And for those of us who have been fasted food, man, I, come ready to eat right afterwards. Uh, I could feed you all I would. But listen, every eye closed. Man, if you're in here and you're not right with God or you're online and you're not right with God, you're just not right. It's not right with God. You know it. Maybe you've never been right. I was never right with God. I didn't even know. I didn't know how to pray. I didn't know how to talk to Him. I didn't know, I didn't know how to do anything. I, I remember some nights just drunk and miserable and yelling, screaming at whatever's up there, I would say. Whatever's up there. What's wrong with you? I'd always accuse God of all kinds of unkindness and messed up and angry. Maybe that's where you are. One day I, I went to church and I heard of how much he loved me, that he wanted to save my life, and I knew I knew my life needed saved. Maybe that's you, where you're at. You know your life needs saved. Saved from what? Saved from you. Saved for, I needed saved from me, from my own sins and man, wrong thinking and attitudes that were just, man, it didn't matter how much success I had. It just all seemed miserable. I still felt like a failure. Nothing seemed to satisfy. Until someone led me in a prayer. And I accepted Jesus as my Lord and submitted to my Heavenly Father in my life. And I wasn't perfect after that, not now. But man, wow, what He's done in me, through me, to me. He wants to do the same thing to you that he's done to so many of us in this room. If you're in here and you've never prayed like that and you, you've never really submitted your life to him and you want to, this is your moment. This is your time. That you trust God's will over your will. You submit your will to his will because he's got a better plan. He sees the past, the present, and the future all at once. And he loves you. And he sent Jesus to die for our sins so that we, that Jesus would build a bridge between us and him. And now the door's open. But one day that door will be closed. While the door is open, walk through it tonight. It's wide open to you. So if you've, if you've uh, never prayed and we want to pray with you right now, I'm going to ask you to do two things. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand up on the count of three, and then after we're done with that, I'm just to pray right where you're seated. We're just going to pray. That's it. So right here, or on, if you're online and it's your first time ever praying, you want to pray. You just know. You know what I knew. I needed saving. Send us a message online. I, I needed saving tonight, and I prayed. In this room, on the count of three, if it's your first time, I'll give another invitation in a moment, but this is your first time. You're like me. So many in this room, this is your first time.
on the count of three. No strings attached to this. You just need to acknowledge it. Raise your hand and say, God, it's me. I'm gonna, I need to get right. I've never been right with you. I want to be right. Never prayed to, to submit my life to you, but I'm going to tonight. I need saving. On the count of three, just raise your hand up high. One, two, three. Just raise it up and say, it's me. I'm going to get right with God tonight. Praise God, man. Now, I know there's people in this room like I did several times, man. I came to church. I, I backslid on whatever they want to call it. I just went back to the world, and I hated it, and I, I didn't like doing it, and I just need to pray to, to get right with God, and I would pray. I would pray this prayer with the pastor and in the back row, and I just, man, I'd feel so much better that because Jesus said, if you've sinned, come to me and ask me to forgive, forgive you, and I'll forgive you and cleanse you of all the unrighteousness of what you gave yourself over to. So if that's you, you've prayed before, you know God, but man, you just, you missed a step. You sinned. You went back to sin. You, you did that again, but you know that, you, that you're just going to keep coming to God and coming to God till you win a victory over it. That's what I did. I just never gave up on God or myself. I knew God had big shoulders. He'd keep forgiving me because I meant it, and I was fighting, and I was trying, and then I, then I stopped trying and do, started doing because he helped me. And he wants to restore you right now into relationship with him so he can continue to help you. So if that's you and you need to pray for the next time, those who already raised your hand for the first time, you don't have to raise your hand again. This is the next time. One, two, three, just raise your hand up high and say, it's me too. Praise God. A bunch of hands. Well, let's pray. Let's pray with those that raise your hand. And you don't, you don't have to scream or shout this, but just talk to God about it. Let's talk to God. Say this, say, God, Father, I believe you sent Jesus to die for my sins and you raised him from the dead. And because I believe that, that you love me, I ask you, for, I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. And I receive your full pardon, your forgiveness. And I let go by choice, not emotions, not feelings, of those who have hurt me. I forgive them by choice. As you chose to forgive me. And I say to you, Jesus, you are the Lord, Jesus Christ, of my life. I submit my life to you. I trust your will is better for me than I could even imagine. My life is yours. Teach me how to live and serve you and to fulfill the plan, the good plan you have for my life. I ask this and I receive all of this in Jesus' name. So be it. Amen. Wow. Come on, let's thank God right now. He's moving in this room. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to find out more about Church on the Move, like our service times, or how you can connect with us, you can visit cotmroswell.com.